Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for December 5th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. Man, I got back from the fucking gym, right? I got back from the gym. I didn't get home till about 530 I come to sit in my office, turn my PC on. It's been all, I was actually on my PC all day uh, yesterday and then into this morning. Not a fucking problem. Brand new PC. $10,000 fucking rig right here next to me. And I get, all, I get home from the gym and I turn my PC on and all of a sudden it starts updating. I'm like, okay, it's got to go through its update. And, and then... And then Windows asks, would you like to upgrade to Windows 11? No, I don't want to upgrade to Windows 11. I don't fucking want anything to do with Windows 11. So all of a sudden, my computer freezes up. Nothing's working. Double click in the mouse. I'm fucking control, alt, delete, right? I wish I, can, could, I, I, wish I could control, alt, delete Monday Night Raw tonight. And everything froze up. So I do a hard reset on the computer. I turn it back on and it goes into this fucking safe mode. And then I can't get back to Windows. And I got my boy Tyler, man. Tyler's a fucking saint in my DMs all night trying to help me fix this shit so we could stream. And nothing worked. All it is, everything I have is still on my computer. Nothing is wrong with the computer. It's just a Windows crash. So I made an appointment tomorrow to go take it to go be reinstalled, Windows. And hopefully tomorrow I'll have my fucking computer and things will be back to normal in the venue, man. So that's what happened. It's a simple Windows 10 reinstall. So it is what it is, man. But I'm operating on my laptop tonight. And hopefully everything goes all right. I got everything hooked up. You got the music. You got the sound. I look good. I feel good. I sound good. I look good. Hopefully my laptop is uh, going to be able to handle everything because clearly it's not my PC. But I think we're operating pretty decently right now, and I'm sure you guys will let me know what's going on as far as that. So I just want to make sure you guys are aware that there may be some technical difficulties in keeping my fingers crossed, and hopefully nothing happens with the stream tonight. And yes, it's a, it's a Jake Cargill virus. It's an Omos virus. It's a Bray Wyatt virus. Whatever it is, man, it is what it is. Hopefully everything goes all right. Monday Night Raw tonight was not all right. Monday Night Raw tonight was not all right. A very, very lackluster show. It definitely felt like a phoned-in show tonight. And I don't really care for shows when they feel this way and look this way. 
WWE really put a focus on the women's championship tonight. They really want to define the number one contender for Bianca Belair and the Raw Women's Championship. When this match will take place, I don't know. I don't know. We got eight weeks till the fucking Royal Rumble. What are we doing? This match will probably take place on a Monday Night Raw. I hope that they build up as a major attraction to fill in for the fact that there is not a monthly pay-per-view this month. But they really focused on the women's championship. Everything else kind of just fell flat on the show, outside the bloodline, of course. But they really focused on the women's championship. I don't mean this in any disparaging way at all. But when you focus solely on the women's aspect and make that your center of the show, more times than not, it's going to feel lackluster. That's just the way it is. And the Monday Night Raw Women's Division hasn't really felt hot. It hasn't lit the world on fire, per se. And that's the reason why I say that. So when you take something that is very, very much mid right now, and you make it the center, the centerpiece of the show, the overall vibe of the show, because you're focusing mainly on that, is going to feel lackluster. It's going to feel like it's phoned in. Now, the women's division is uber talented on Monday Night Raw. But all because you focused on that and it was very mid coming in, it just felt like everything was just so unimportant. But I give them effort for going out and wanting to crown a number one contender for Bianca Belair. So who did we crown as a number one contender for Bianca Belair? Well, right now, nobody. Right now, nobody. Triple H had set forth two triple threat matches and the winners of these triple threat matches will meet next week in a number one contenders match to see who wrestles Bianca Belair. Presumably, I would say, somewhere in the next eight weeks if they want to get adventurous with it at the Royal Rumble. Right now, we got Bailey and Alexa Bliss as the number one contendership next week for the Raw Women's Championship. I don't actually mind that at all. I don't mind that whatsoever, as long as it's not Rhea Ripley. I was happy to see Becky Lynch or Rhea Ripley not get the opportunity against Bianca Belair. In most cases, I probably would have taken Becky Lynch over a Rhea Ripley in this situation, but seeing what happened last week and Alexa Bliss was kind of out to lunch and daydreaming when Bianca Belair asked her about war games, she didn't really give a solid answer. And I said last week, Yep, Alexa Bliss is definitely turning heel. This is the start of Alexa Bliss's heel turn. That's what this is. And Bianca Belair even added a little insult to injury on that situation tonight. She said, and I quote, she's gotten a lot closer to Alexa Bliss in the last few months. Oh yeah? When you get close enough, that's when Alexa Bliss is going to end up turning. So, Alexa Bliss is more than likely going to be the number one contender against Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship, and I have absolutely no problem with that because it keeps Rhea Ripley and my Alexa's going off. I should have fucking unplugged it, you motherfucker, man. What is with these devices lately, man? I really don't get it. You know, I'm not even talking to the fucking thing, and I'm already in my office, and it's in the fucking kitchen going off. I hate the name Alexa. I hate it. Anyway, 
I'm glad that it's Alexa and not Rhea Ripley because at the end of the day, and I said this on Twitter, and I said this on the podcast last night, Rhea Ripley deserves the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania. She does. So to see her not get this, nobody should be upset about this. Nobody. It is not her time, and it is not her place to be in that championship match. So if everybody, oh, 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 Rhea Ripley should have won it. No. Now, Rhea Ripley will win it when the time is right. Alexa Bliss is fine as mid-card fodder. She is. There's nothing wrong with throwing Bliss out there as an in-between feud for Bianca Belair because Bliss is not going to win the championship. She's got no business winning the championship. Alexa Bliss is not a solid choice for the Royal Women's Championship going into next year, going into WrestleMania. We need the big players to fill those roles. Rhea Ripley is definitely that individual. So if Bliss is getting the title shot right now, then that leaves Rhea Ripley open to winning, potentially, the Royal Rumble like I had pitched, like she deserves. Rhea Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble and then going on to challenge Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch, there was a nice stare down between Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch tonight. Clearly showing you where that is going. And we may end up seeing those two women cross paths in the Royal Rumble. You're probably looking at number one and number two in the Royal Rumble as top two choices to win the entire thing in January. So I have no problem with what they did tonight. I appreciate their focus on making the shows feel a little bit, uh, I would say, urgent, right? There was a sense of focus on the women's division tonight. That much I appreciate. But none of it was particularly interesting at all. The other big thing that happened tonight was the bloodline. We were supposed to get a tag team title match with Matt Riddle and Elias against the Usos for the tag team championships. Why? I don't know. I'm so over Matt Riddle in this current state. I'm so over Elias. I think he's cringe. There's nothing interesting about Elias whatsoever. They traded Ezekiel for Elias, and they're both utterly boring. Elias got taken out before the match. The bloodline beat him up before the match started in the back. So in substitutes Kevin Owens as his tag team partner. KO and Matt Riddle against the Usos for the tag team championships. I appreciate Kevin Owens anytime we can get Kevin Owens. But do we really need Kevin Owens wrestling again near 15 minutes tonight? After he just went on a podcast with Corey Graves saying that some days his knees suck and some days his knees doesn't. I don't really understand that. Why are we throwing him out there unnecessarily when he should be a top priority and keeping him away from in-ring action every week? I'm not saying he's got to miss the show every fucking week. He doesn't need to wrestle every week. But why are we throwing him out there if he's already banged up and dealing with nagging injuries? Every time he gets in the ring, I'm expecting something terrible that to happen. He's not made of glass, but... I don't want, and this is where the concern comes in, I don't want him to be thrown out there and then somehow gets injured. Kevin Owens is not somebody that's going to half-ass anything. He's going to go out there and put on a fucking show. But he is a huge part of the show and a huge part of this bloodline storyline with Sami Zayn and, and Roman Reigns. I just hope that everything ends up all right. 
with Kevin Owens moving forward. But we got a great tag team match. Clearly, it was better than if it, if it was Elias. They made the better choice by putting Kevin Owens in there and taking Elias out. But was it necessary? That was easily the high point of the entire show. After that, after that opening segment, the show completely went downhill. And the other big thing that happened tonight, and this is why I said it was a very lackluster show. It was a very, it was a very lazy show. JBL had an invitational poker tournament, and it set up matches throughout the night. Dexter Loomis was not allowed to play, but JBL said the buy-in was $50,000. Dexter Loomis easily has $50,000 because he beat The Miz, got a contract to the WWE, and stole his money. Or I guess was owed the money that he was... Well, he was given the money that he was owed. So, yes, he didn't, he didn't really steal it, but he took possession of the money that was owed to him. So, clearly, he had money enough, enough money to play in this invitational JBL poker tournament. And you know what? I could sit here and shit on Baron Corbin. I could sit here and shit on JBL and the cringe that that was, you know, that poker tournament. But it actually was pretty entertaining. It was actually pretty entertaining. And legitimately, folks, that was basically Monday Night Raw in a nutshell. Lazy. Absolutely lazy. We're going to go over what happened on the show tonight. And I just appreciate you guys joining me on this lazy Monday right here on Off the Script for December 5th, man. We got 20 days till Christmas. What is Santa Claus bringing you guys, man? I don't know what he's bringing me. I don't want nothing. A nice cold beverage. A nice old-fashioned on the rocks with some really great fucking whiskey. That's all I need. In front of a fireplace with a fucking robe on and my slippers, man. Gotta love it. But anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast tonight. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We got 1,800 in the venue tonight, and I only see 414 likes, man. That is inexcusable. I'm going to need you guys, if you're in the venue right now, I'm going to need you to hit that thumbs up, and I'm going to need 1,000 likes minimum. Minimum. I don't know what the fuck we're doing, man. Hit that thumbs up. Helps me out, helps you out. It's absolutely free to do so why wouldn't you want to help me out unless you're an asshole which I hope you're not some of you may be but most of you are not so hit that thumbs up hit that subscribe button down below turn on the bell for notifications make sure you guys get those super chats and we'll hang out at the end of the show as always with our cold beverages memberships are open get them on in we had eight new members last night we got two new members tonight Thank you guys very much for all of your support. VIP Club is open to everybody. So make sure you guys get them on in. You guys get badges and emotes. It's a fun time. Plus those members only chats on Sunday night when we go live with the flagship. Go check out all the other videos, including last night's episode 455, man, where we talk about that William Regal situation. Apparently, TK... Tony Khan is going to address the William Regal situation on the Ring of Honor press conference call before final battle this week. So we'll see what he has to say about that. I was involved in that. I will uh, probably be listening in on that as I, as I was invited, but we will see what happens with that. Hopefully it is uh, 
some clarity on everything that's going on with William Regal. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew, bluechew.com. You guys are going to use that code JD at checkout. All you guys got to do is pay that $5 shipping and handling, man. Don't let the Christmas season get you down, bro. I know it's going to be cold outside, but that doesn't mean it's got to be cold in the bedroom. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go and get your free sample today on me using that code at BlueChew.com. Yeah, we got to be Usi, bro. We got to be Usi, man. Listen, if Omos is not letting you in the venue, bro, Omos is not allowed in the venue, so uh, stop lying. Omos is not allowed in the venue, man. We don't allow trash into the venue. Monday Night Raw. We start at the top here. The Usos, they made their ring entrance right at the top of the show. They cut a video on the Titan Tron with the bloodline arriving in a black SUV. Sammy was very oozy tonight with Sammy Zayn. Byron Saxon approached him for an interview. Matt Riddle scootered by them. He zipped right by them. Elias showed up. Solo Sokoa attacked him, threw him into a rack of metal barricades that were in the back. Sammy said with a smile, Oh, look, I think he's hurt. So Sami Zayn was, like I said, very oozy tonight. So we go back live into the ring, and Jay is in the ring with a microphone. He does his thing. The bloodline is now in your city. And they raise the ones, because we're the ones. And everybody else in the community, everybody else in the IWC are the twos. You guys know this already, man. I don't need to get you caught up to speed. Jimmy said the tag team championship match is officially canceled because Solo beat up Elias in the parking lot. Jimmy said the bright side is Riddle doesn't have to be humiliated tonight and Elias can work on his music. Jimmy said their focus is on being the best tag team ever. He said other tag teams in the locker room are the twos and the Usos are the ones. Matt Riddle's music plays. He comes out onto the stage and flip-flops and said, it wasn't cool, bro. It wasn't cool of you guys to take out his partner, Elias. He said this was Elias' first chance to win gold. He said it wasn't very oozy of them to do that. Sammy said it's not oozy of Riddle to think he could end the reign of the Usos. He told him to turn around and go home. Riddle said he did find a new tag team partner, and there will be a tag team championship match tonight. He said he and his partner aren't bros and they don't really get along, but he doesn't like the bloodline either. Kevin Owens comes out, and Kevin Owens is the partner for Matt Riddle against the bloodline. KO and Riddle marched to the ring as a referee kept them from going after the Usos, and we got ourselves a match. We got ourselves a tag team championship match. Now, WWE's been telling the storyline of Elias and Matt Riddle being best buddies here, musical partners, right? They're going to start a band together. WWE tonight showed you that they have no problem abandoning Matt Riddle and Elias for what was clearly a better match, an upgrade per se, 
with Kevin Owens joining the fray and teaming with Matt Riddle tonight against Jimmy and Jay Uso. That's a positive. I'll take Kevin Owens over Elias eight days out of seven. Don't worry about it. But the thing is, Kevin Owens, I don't want Kevin Owens to get hurt. I know that Kevin Owens has a problem with the bloodline. I know Kevin Owens is focusing on Roman Reigns and he's focusing on the bloodline and him and Sami Zayn kind of broke up as friends, right? Their 20-year friendship finished. But throwing Kevin Owens out there every week, I hope it doesn't backfire for WWE. I may be all, I may be overanalyzing it. I may be overworrying like a fucking sick mother or father, right, for their child. But I just don't want nothing to happen to the storyline. Because if Sammy gets hurt, if Kevin Owens gets hurt, one of them gets hurt, we're not going to have the proper payoff. We made it all this way, and we are rounding that corner, turning over a new page in 2023, and that's where things are really going to get going, right? But this was obviously an upgrade to what the original match was. So... We go right to a commercial break early on. We're going to pick it up after the commercial break. KO, back from a commercial break, landed a cannonball against Jimmy in the corner, scored a two counts. Riddle tagged in. Jimmy kicked him from behind on the ring apron, tagged in and worked over Riddle. They cut to another break. So we had two commercial breaks in this match. Back from the second break, KO landed a top rope swanton on Jimmy. He goes for a cover, gets a near fall. Jimmy blocked a KO stunner. KO went for a pop-up powerbomb instead. Jimmy leapt over KO and connected with a super kick. Riddle and Jay each hot tagged in. Riddle head scissored Jay, who was charging in over the top rope to the floor. Sammy helped Jay stand as Solo and KO had a stare down. I'll get to Solo in a second. Jay was kicked by Riddle and threw him back into the ring. Riddle backed Sammy away. He re-entered the ring. Jay caught Riddle with a super kick, and then the Usos gave Riddle the 1D for the finish, and they pinned Matt Riddle 1-2-3. So there's no doubt what the ending was going to be, and we got the Usos retaining the Tag Team Championships, as they should. Now, the Usos will go to SmackDown, and I believe they will defend the Tag Team Championships over there against Sheamus and Butch. It was supposed to be Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, but Drew McIntyre came out on social media to say, uh, and said that he's not medically qualified to be on Friday Night SmackDown, so Butch, Pete Dunne, is taking his place. But after this match, afterwards, the Usos double-teamed Riddle with stomps. KO made the save with a chair and chased them to the back. That left Solo in the ring with Riddle. Solo kicked and punched away at Riddle. He then drove his thumb into Riddle's throat. The Samoan spike that Umaga used to utilize. He followed with an Umaga hip attack that really kind of didn't make contact, but it was very Umaga-ish. Solo grabbed the chair from ringside, put it around Riddle's head. Solo then backed off before charging full speed at Riddle with another hip attack into the chair. Graves was yelling for some help. And security was also called by that goofball, Kevin Patrick, as well as Solo, stood in the ring and was dominating over Matt Riddle. Now, why the Umaga throwback with Solo Sokoa? Why did he pay homage 
to Umaga. During this post-match attack, Kevin Owens and Matt Riddle teamed up against the Usos after the match was over. The Samoan Bulldozer, a.k.a. the Hip Attack, was used. And that Samoan Spike was used by Solo Sokoa. This tribute comes one day after what would have been Umaga's 49th birthday. That's why it was done tonight. So I love that. Everybody loved Umaga. Umaga was fucking great. And I love that. I also love the way Triple H is really utilizing Solo Sokoa, man. If you want to look at call-ups from NXT, from when Triple H took over, not even just from NXT, you know, I'm going to include the returns in there as well. If you want to talk about who's been best utilized since Triple H has taken over or best presentation since Triple H has taken over, Solo Sokoa is definitely up there. His presentation has been absolutely perfect. Perfect. He hasn't said much of anything. His role has been absolutely brilliant in the bloodline. He is the assassin, quote-unquote, per se, in the bloodline. I don't know what else is going to happen with Solo down the line. He seems to be very... He seems to be very antisocial in the bloodline. I I think people are making a little bit too much out of him kind of not celebrating with Jimmy and Jay and Sammy on Friday. If you guys looked at them, you know, getting Usi on Friday night, Solo just stood there. People are making narratives out of, oh, Solo Sokoa knows something that the rest of the bloodline doesn't know, but they all looked very Usi tonight. But if there's one guy where Triple H has really excelled as far as presentation, I'm going to include Braun Strowman in that as well. Strowman's presentation has been largely very effective. And I'm not a big Braun Strowman guy, but I'm not afraid to admit that either. But Solo Sokoa has been fucking great. It's very much reminiscent of what Triple H did with certain talents in NXT. He is being protected. Is he being protected because he's Roman's cousin? Is he being protected because... He's the, the brother of Jimmy and Jay Uso? Probably. Everybody's got to look strong in the bloodline. If one's looking strong, the rest of them got to look strong. But this is definitely a Triple H push for sure. It's very reminiscent of what he used to do with some of the big guns down on NXT when, he's, when he was running the black and gold. As far as Matt Riddle, I don't know why Matt Riddle was written off television. That's a problem. Why was Matt Riddle written per se, written off television. He was stretchered out. He was William Regal tonight. Matt Riddle was put on a stretcher, on a gurney. They took him out of the arena. They put a neck brace on him. They did that whole chair spot around the neck. I don't know what they're doing with Matt Riddle. It may be. I hope this is the case. I don't think Matt Riddle is injured in any way, shape, or form. But what I hope is that this is a complete hard reset. And if I'm a betting man... I'm going to say that I think Triple H sees Matt Riddle as a big major player. He will be a big major player in 2023. And I honestly think that what we're getting is still remnants of the old Matt Riddle that Vince McMahon was booking and writing for. Because that's what you get. That's what you've been getting with Matt Riddle. I hope that this is going to serve as a possible reset for Matt Riddle moving forward. Now we're going to get the NXT version of Matt Riddle. What Triple H did with Matt Riddle when he was in black and gold. He was fucking great. Great. 
So I hope this serves as a reset moving forward and we can begin fresh with Matt Riddle in 2023 because God only knows he needs a fucking reset. No more of this fucking silliness. I can't take the fucking he smokes weed every day jokes. Thanks, Bruce. We get it. He loves smoking marijuana. I get it. Like, I never heard that one before. Let's get him away from Elias. Let's get him away from these fucking cringe jokes playing the bongos and the scooter and all this other shit. The scooter can stay. The scooter can stay. But let's get Matt let's get Matt Riddle back on track. Let's get Matt Riddle in a serious role, please. I don't want to see any more of this goofy fucking Vince McMahon Matt Riddle that we've been getting. So hopefully this serves as a hard reset for the original bro going into 2023. The Judgment Day. They were backstage. Rhea Ripley talked about her triple threat match later on this evening. She said she'll win and move on to beat Bianca Belair as Raw Women's Champion. She said everyone in the back will be calling her Mommy, she was whispering something to Dominic, and he smiled. I'm sure he was. What did Rhea Ripley tell Dominic? Only the virgin geeks online want to know. Backstage, JBL was overseeing his poker tournament. So this is the first glimpse of his poker tournament. We got all the usual suspects backstage. We got some major players backstage. We got AJ Styles backstage. We got the original club backstage. We got the OC, right? So Tozawa was there. JBL told Tozawa that nobody likes him. Dominic Mysterio was there. Baron Corbin was there. Otis, Chad Gable. JBL said poker is a gentleman's game. So Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano showed up. JBL told Dexter Loomis, hey, I didn't invite you. He told Dexter to go stare at someone uncomfortably outside because he probably doesn't have the money. He dumped a whole bag of cash out on the table for JBL, and JBL welcomed him to the game with JBL-like enthusiasm because he loves money. So that was the start of the poker tournament. Dexter Loomis, man. Nobody wants to be playing poker with Dexter Loomis, man. He don't need glasses. He doesn't need a poker face, right? Dexter Loomis has a fucking born. He was born with a poker face. He's emotionless. So nobody wants to be sitting across the table from fucking Dexter Loomis. I'll tell you that right now, man. That is a loss every fucking time. You are not going to pinpoint anything that Dexter Loomis is trying to fucking do at that, that poker table. Seriously. Now, he would have been great. He would have been great in... Casino Royale with fucking James Bond. My favorite James Bond movie of all time, man. He would have been great as one of the fucking guys sitting at that poker table. Even James Bond, man, he was poisoned during that fucking poker game. Dexter Loomis, man, he would have fucking walked out with all the cash. So this was pretty cool. I didn't mind this at all. Dexter Loomis, there's something great about Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano together. There really is. I'm enjoying the pairing. It is definitely a nice thing to see them still interacting with each other on the main roster. You know, and I still don't really get where this was supposed to go. If Champa was involved with The Miz, who knows what the original storyline was going to be. But the fact that they had to reroute to plan B, and now we're back to Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis, I don't really have any complaints about that. Because they were a great pairing. They were great on screen together in NXT. So I don't mind that at all. 
Bailey, she made her ring entrance. And Becky Lynch walked to the ring through the crowd like she did last week. Becky talked about how they kept missing each other. Bailey said everyone knows their history, but she wants to move on to win a triple threat match so she can get a title shot against Bianca Belair. Bailey said the past doesn't matter. She said she's interrupting her magic by joining war games. She said the difference between her and Becky is that when she's there, Becky makes everything about herself. Fans started to chant Becky. Bailey said the fans just make it worse. More times than not, they do. She said she cares about everyone. Bailey said she cares about all of the WWE, where Becky just thinks about herself. She then yelled at the fans because she feels the fans don't appreciate her. Becky said damage control have been successful. <laughs> Becky Lynch is a fucking comedian, man. Seriously, man, I don't know. I don't know where she gets her material from, bro, but seriously, uh, Becky, I can't really sit here and say that damage control, <laughs> damage goods have been successful. They haven't. They're successful because Bailey is successful in name, and Bailey's name value brings them to be a successful group. But what have they really done on the main roster to really give them that statement. Successful. <laughs> it's like telling me impact. Impact on Axis TV on Thursdays. A, a successful venture, man. Give me a fucking break. Nobody watches Impact, bro. Seriously. How many people did they have in their uh, their Impact Zone this week, man? Wow, six people. Oh, my goodness, man. Holy shit. You're worse than the Rampage tapings. Rampage did a 0.08 in the demo, bro. Yo, what's going on with TK, man? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should, Maybe we got to get Jesse watching Rampage. I, he does a live stream, right? That's why their ratings are down, bro. Jesse is watching the fucking show doing a goddamn live stream. See? See, Jesse's a fucking curse, the Chicago curse, bro. He's got the Chicago Cubs curse on fucking Rampage. This motherfucker, man. Yet, yet I got people yelling at me that I'm fucking negative. Oh, my goodness. Damage control successful. <laughs> You're a fucking comedian, Becky, man. I love it, man. That's great. No, they're not successful. They're not successful. She said, actually, just two-thirds successful because there are two champions and one loser. She wished Bailey luck later so then they can go one-on-one -on -one. If you're woman enough to face the man, Becky dropped the mic and left. If you're woman enough to face the man. Rhea Ripley met her ring entrance to start this first triple threat match. Becky stood by and watched, and they crossed paths. They had a nice little stare down in the aisleway. This is a seed planted for what's to come. We're either going to get Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch battling over a number one contendership going into WrestleMania? Or we are going to get Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley being the last two women in the Women's Royal Rumble. I think that would make for a great story as well. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I'm slightly intrigued about Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. That's going to be great. 
finally something to keep our eye on in this women's division. Bailey versus Rhea Ripley versus Asuka. This was a triple threat match to advance to next week and challenge for the number one contendership for the Raw Women's Championship. So we go right to a quick commercial break. Man, do I miss the first hour being commercial free. What happened to that? Can we do that every week, please? Ripley wiped out Bailey and Asuka with a dive off the apron. We go right to a quick commercial break. Ripley and Bailey ended up working together on Asuka, but Asuka threw Bailey from the ring before hitting Ripley with some strikes and ended with a code breaker to go for a cover and a two count. Asuka hit both women with yes kicks, but Bailey caught her in a cradle for a quick roll up and only got a two. Ripley then headbutted Bailey before Asuka gave Bailey a German suplex. Asuka knocked down Ripley with a kick, but Bailey yanked Asuka out of the ring. And she wanted to follow up, but could not. Bailey wanted to work with Ripley again, but Ripley did not trust her this time. So they exchanged strikes back and forth until Asuka knocked both of them down with a really decent looking double code breaker by Asuka. Asuka tried to pin each of the women there, but they both kicked out. Asuka hit Bailey with a missile dropkick and applied the Asuka lock, but Ripley broke it up. Asuka put Ripley in an armbar. But Bailey nailed Asuka with a diving elbow drop for two. Bailey then gave Asuka a Bailey to belly, but Ripley broke up that cover. Ripley repeatedly headbutted Bailey and then delivered a Northern Lights suplex for a two count. Ripley went after Bailey outside the ring, but Bailey dodged and Ripley flipped off the apron, attempting a move and hit the mat hard with a rolling senton that missed. She never returned to the match again and sold it on the outside. Asuka and Bailey are the last two women in the ring. They had a back and forth exchange. Asuka doing those vicious strikes and those spinning back fists that she usually does. That led to Bailey eventually hitting a rose plant for the win. One, two, three. And Bailey is moving on to next week's match to challenge for the number one contendership for the Raw Women's Championship. I've seen a lot of people in the live stream chat saying that Asuka deserved better. I might have to agree with you guys because from my vantage point, it looked like Asuka got most of the offense in this match and then ended up taking the fucking losing pinfall. Now, I understand Bailey. I understand Bailey getting the win here because, Jesus fucking Christ, guys, she needed it. She needed it. Now, I don't think she's going to go and win next week against Alexa Bliss. I don't think, that, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Why would Bailey and Bianca Belair be another match? I mean, I could see the match happening because really it's a nothing match. I don't know when this match is going to take place. We, we got seven, eight weeks till the Royal Rumble. Is Triple H going to plan on doing this on Monday Night Raw or are we building to a Royal Rumble Women's Championship match? We don't know. I could see them doing Bailey and Bianca Belair again as an interim, but do you want Bianca Belair and Bailey in another match that is inevitable? For Bailey to lose. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. Bailey needed a win. No matter how you slice it, Bailey needed a win. It's a win that I think she will eventually go into next week and lose, but she needed a win. She has been ice cold. She needed to plant her feet in the ground and climb that mountain and get a fucking victory because damage control right now 
and people are saying it, and they're using the name damaged goods. They are damaged goods. She needed a win. Bailey won here, and I'm glad Rhea Ripley didn't win because it's not her time. Rhea Ripley, whoever wins this thing next week is going to be an interim fill-in. It's just a nothing opponent to keep Bianca Belair busy. That is not Rhea Ripley. That is not Becky Lynch. It's certainly not Rhea Ripley. Why would you want Rhea Ripley to win this match when she was easily the odds-on favorite? Why would you want her to win this match when the match for Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair should be at WrestleMania? Rhea Ripley is my choice to win the Royal Rumble. I've been saying, I'm going to keep saying it. It's probably not going to happen because I keep saying it. So I, I will it into existence and it's not going to happen. But that's what you need to do at WrestleMania. That is the match for Monday Night Raw at WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. They're destined to be lifelong rivals. You might as well start now. And back-to-back Royal Rumbles, they were in the Royal Rumble, and I believe it was back-to-back. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. They were the solid two choices in that Royal Rumble. Back-to-back Rumbles the last few years. I think they were in there towards the very end with each other. So I think it's going to go all the way this year, and I think Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble and challenging Bianca Belair and beating Bianca Belair is the right way to go about it because you need to reward hard work, and Rhea Ripley has completely transformed her entire look, her entire character, and her entire vibe in the Judgment Day. Becky Lynch does not need the Royal Rumble. Becky Lynch could win the Elimination Chamber. Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch has already won a Royal Rumble. Why are we going to give Becky Lynch another Royal Rumble? Rhea Ripley deserves a Royal Rumble. That's my pick for 2023. And there was no way she would have made sense winning this match. So I'm glad Bailey won. Asuka, does she deserve better? Yes. Yes, she does. I would love Asuka to be back in a priority role on Monday night. She's very over. The fans love her. She is excellent at what she does. She's one of the best, if not the best, in-ring performer on that main roster right now in the Monday Night Raw Women's Division. She has been solid and consistent every time she's been out there. And she's got the best-looking offense out of everybody, in my honest opinion. Yes, she deserves better. But Bailey needed the win. Bailey needed the win. Asuka and, and Alexa have had wins over, uh, over uh, damage control. So Bailey needed this win more than everybody else. Bobby Lashley, he will face Seth Rollins next week in a United States title number one contenders match. Should be decent. I think I'm kind of over the Rollins and Lashley back and forth, but here we are. Seth made his way out to the ring. Fans are singing along to his theme. Seth Rollins, I guess he's a babyface again. I guess he's a babyface this week. Who knows? He flip-flops back and forth more than the fucking big show. Heel, babyface, babyface, heel. Heel, babyface, babyface, heel. I don't know. Fans love him, though. He's incredibly, incredibly over. So we got this match taking place next week on Raw. Number one contendership for the United States title. And Seth welcomed everybody to Monday Night Rollins. He went into his usual spiel. And the fans chanted Seth freaking Rollins when they were prompted to do so by the man himself. He talked about facing Lashley next week on Raw. Lashley interrupted and walked out onto the stage. 
Lashley asked Seth what he'd like to say to him. Seth said he hasn't been the same since Crown Jewel when he lost to Brock Lesnar. Seth said there's no shame in losing to Brock Lesnar. We've all been there. That's a fucking understatement. He asked if he's scared of Brock. He says he's probably a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger than him. Lashley said he's just trying to rattle him. Seth said if he's not scared of Brock, he must be jealous of Brock. He said Brock is a bigger star than him with more title reigns than him. He said if he doesn't get his head and temper right, beating him next week will be easier for him than it was last time. So Lashley punched Seth. Seth got back up and they stopped brawling. Adam Pearce and some referees and some other officials tried to pull them apart. They broke free and then were separated again. Lashley ended up spearing one of the producers. Petey Williams was out there and got split in half from a Bobby Lashley spear. Adam Pearce was yelling at him in anger as he struck a WWE official accidentally, but he struck a WWE official nonetheless. So they got this little thing going on that Lashley's temper is now going to be a hindrance to him. So we will see what happens there, but that's just the start of it. And then Adam Pearce, later on in the show, he actually confronted Bobby Lashley and said, listen, I'm not going to take the title match away from you or the number one contender match, rather. I'm not going to fine you or suspend you, but don't do it again. Otherwise, there will be consequences. And Lashley did not like that Adam Pearce confronted him and said that there will be consequences. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it seems like they are gearing up for Bobby Lashley and temper problems. This may be the beginning stages of him getting back the hurt business and him getting the hurt business back together. So we will see what happens with Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins moving forward. Now, they did mention Brock Lesnar. I don't know when we're going to get that third match with Lesnar and Lashley. I would assume it happens at WrestleMania, but who knows? Who knows what they do with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar? I, I really am sick and tired of it. I don't really care for it anymore, especially after the last match. Hugely just disappointing. I don't really care for it, but... They're, they're, they're still name-dropping Brock Lesnar in Bobby Lashley's way. So you can expect that a third match is definitely on the horizon. Byron Saxton was backstage. He approached the United States champion, Austin Theory. Austin Theory was in the background. And we have Saxton asking for his thoughts on what happened with Lashley and Seth. Theory said what he saw was the past. Two former champions fighting over scraps, and they failed to realize the business has moved on to him, and it is his time. The forever is just the beginning, Austin Theory said. Mustafa Ali showed up and said Theory just loves writing checks he can't cash. Theory says he's annoying, and he constantly whines and complains about opportunities and gets beat down. He said he should just quit. Ali said he isn't like him because he actually has to fight for every opportunity he gets. He said he'll get back up and back in his face and become the United States champion. There he said he'll face him tonight, but then after he beats him, he doesn't want to hear the word opportunity come out of his mouth ever again. 
And Mustafa Ali, by the way, back to the traditional trunks, long pants, I should say, that Ali used to wear. No more braids in the hair. He's got his long, flowing black hair again. Mustafa Ali, some of you might not care about him, but I mention this as being a little takeaway that I don't really take him too serious. Some of you might not like what uh, Mustafa Ali has become on Monday night or don't like the way he's being booked, but this was the first time in a very long time that I felt like Mustafa Ali was back to being Mustafa Ali. I thought he looked great. Now we just got to get the ball rolling on Mustafa Ali and what's going on with his direction. I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. He's another guy on this show that feels completely ice cold. But I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel for Ali. I do think that he's going to undergo a gimmick change or a character change at least on the show. Back to the poker game. Gable was sitting at the table. He folded a pair. OC joined the game. Gable said poker is knowing when to walk away. He and Luke Gallo started to yell at each other, and they shushed each other. Dexter has a great poker face, as you guys would expect. Corbin was having problems reading Dexter Loomis's face, and he was calling his bluff. Dexter gave away nothing at all, and Dexter revealed he had three aces and two jacks. He had a full house and beat Corbin, who also had, I believe, a full house, but a lower a lower uh, number full house. So over at the other table, Tozawa was talking to Dana Brooke, Tamina, Shelton Benjamin, and Dominic. So you could see where the catering section was. They separated the actual catering from the legit superstars on the show. You thought that was done by, uh, by purpose. No, this was done by design. They separated VIPs from the catering VIPs. So Tozawa and Dominic argued when they stood. Dominic said Tozawa is almost as short as my deadbeat dad. JBL says they should take it outside. There's no fighting in the poker room. So this made a match tonight between Dominic Mysterio and Akira Tozawa. And then you want to know why I said Monday Night Raw was as if they phoned it in. A Corbin out of straight. I'm sorry. I thought he had a full house. Corbin had a straight. I, be I believe he had a two, three, four, five, six straight. And then Dexter Loomis had a full house. Jacks and aces. There you go. Thank you for the correction there, bro. Thank you for the correction. Get that man a beverage. Austin Theory. He went one-on-one -on -one with Mustafa Ali. Not really much to this. But like I said, Ali was back to being Ali. Long pants. No more dreads, no more uh, braids in the hair. He defeated Mustafa Ali by disqualification. Not much happened here because Dolph Ziggler ran out and caused a distraction. So, Theory, he was actually on the defensive here. Ali hit a beautiful tornado DDT that spiked Theory right on the top of his head. Theory fought back. After the DDT, started going away at Ali with some strikes in the ropes. Referee told him to stop and backed him away. Theory did not listen, so she pulled uh, she pulled Theory off of Ali. And all of a sudden, when she did that, Dolph Ziggler suddenly came in and super kicked Theory for the disqualification. 
So here Ali is getting a United States Championship match, and he wanted an opportunity against Austin Theory, and he had that opportunity ripped away from him by Dolph Ziggler, who apparently wants an opportunity at the United States Champion as well. Referee called for the bell after Ziggler charged in and super kicked Theory. Ali sat up. He saw what happened. He was upset. He looked over at Ziggler, spun him around, who was talking trash to Theory on the outside. He shoved Ali, did Ziggler. Ziggler told him not to touch him and said he did it for all of us. So you caused a DQ and ruined Ali's chance at the United States Championship because you did it for all of us? How the fuck does that make any sense? Or did he super kick Austin Theory for all of us? Why do we all have a problem with Austin Theory? Why, why, who asked for Dolph Ziggler? Who asked for Dolph Ziggler to go out there and super kick? Who asked for Dolph Ziggler's help here? I'd love to know. Did anybody here ask for Dolph Ziggler's help against Austin Theory? Does anybody have a problem with Austin Theory? I think the only problem that exists is Dolph Ziggler is on fucking TV. Why? Something like this just, it did not make any sense. How many times are they going to tease Ziggler and Theory? I don't care. I don't care. There's got to be something more interesting than Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler. Now, granted, they had a banger of a match last time, but I mean, Dolph Ziggler's off TV for six weeks, and then he's back. And then he's off TV for three weeks, and then he's back. He's not a consistent performer on the show. So when he shows up and ruins Ali's opportunity, I mean, what sense did that make? Ridiculous. He did it for all of us. Theory then jumped Ziggler from behind. He threw Ali's shoulder first into the ring post. Corey Graves sold the shit out of that. He turned back to Ziggler and delivered a clown down, a town down to Dolph Ziggler. The segment came to a close. Just give me more Rollins and Austin Theory, please. I think that's what we want for the United States Championship. And then after this is over, we need to move on to something completely new, man. How about Johnny Gargano versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship? How about Matt Riddle versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship, man? I I don't know how you guys feel. I'm tired of the Ali's and the Ziggler's and the Lashley's going after the United States Championship. I'm just tired. It's the same fucking shit. Something new. Something fresh, please. It's not interesting anymore. Just seems like we're going around in circles every fucking time. He goes through one and then cycles back through the rest of them over and over and over again. Miz, he approached JBL, wanting to be in the poker game. He was asked why he wasn't invited to the poker game. JBL said it's a 50-dime buy-in. Miz says after some recent events, he's low on liquid funds. You know how the crypto market is, he said to JBL. He says he's good for it and tried to enter the room. JBL said, no, well, listen, 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 jizz. JBL blocked him. And said that everyone is required to pay cash. I'm good for it, though, says the Miz. Miz offered JBL his Rolex to enter the poker tournament. JBL looked at the Rolex, 
and said, Miz, I, I don't know if you know this, but your Rolex, it's fake. And then Miz was shocked that his Rolex was fake. He probably got it in Chinatown. He looked at the Rolex, and JBL said, Miz, your, your second hand on the Rolex ticks. And then the Miz walked away in shame. Now, I, I, don't really, I don't really believe the Miz owns a fake Rolex. I, I think the Miz owns several Rolexes, and good for him. One of these days, I will own a Rolex myself. I bought myself for the 40th birthday. I bought myself a Panerai. Luminor. 40 millimeter. Oh, no, four, what was it? 44 millimeter. I would love a, a Rolex Milgos, but they're very hard to come by. They're very rare now. And then the price of production for Rolex, I believe they make like 1 million or 2 million watches a year. That is significantly down from like 20 million or something like that, the fucking salesperson was telling me. So Rolexes, they're automatic watches. They're all in, uh, in-house made Rolexes. I'm a watch geek, right? So when you look at the Rolex secondhand, it sweeps. It's a continuous sweep. This is a tick. Battery operator watches tick. So Rolex, the, or the Rolex that Miz was wearing was fake, says JBL. Probably worth fucking 20 bucks right off the fucking shelf in Chinatown. Yes, the G-Shock cake. The G-Shock that you own is probably more valuable than the fake Rolex that is on the wrist of the Miz. I own me, I, I own me some G-Shock back in the day, man. They were pretty, they were pretty big uh, seller back in my uh, watch days. No longer. I can't go back to that. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Nightmares. Anyway. Um, uh, no, there's, I don't think there's a Rolex that costs 20 million. They made, they made somewhere along the lines of 15 to 20 million watches per year. I think was what the salesperson told me. It might've been lower than that, but Rolex. Yes. One of these days. So back to the poker game. Baron Corbin is still there playing. He produced on the table four kings, four kings. When he reached for chips, more cards fell out of his sleeve. Uh-oh, Barrett Corbin cheating. He's cheating. Styles called him a cheater. Corbin says he didn't know where they came from. They argued. Corbin shoved Styles. Styles shoved back. JBL yelled that they're all barbarians and they're ruining his tournament. He said, no fighting in the poker room. Styles challenged Corbin, Gable, and Otis to a six-man tag team match. Dexter threw a wad of cash to the dealer as a tip because he won the poker game. Dexter Loomis, he added more, he won more money on top of what he brought into the game. So Dexter Loomis is the superstar here in JBL's poker invitational. Kathy Kelly, she interviewed Bianca Belair backstage. She said she'll be proud to defend against any of the women in the triple threat matches. She said she stays ready. So she doesn't have to get ready. Whatever. We go to hour three. Otis, Chad Gable, and Baron Corbin with JBL on commentary against the OC. Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and AJ Styles with me and him. This match went 15 minutes. Why? I don't know. 15 minutes. I don't know why. It wasn't bad. It's just... Not interesting. Why would anybody care about this match? 
Nobody should care about this match. 15 minutes, not a bad match, but there's no, there's no, there's no oomph to it. Why do we, why do we care about this nothing match that was made out of a fucking, you know, argument backstage at a poker game? It's amazing. WWE, Jesse brought up a good point here, man. I'm going to take this one from Jesse. Jesse made a good point to me via text while we were watching the show tonight. This match, this six-man tag team match was made out of the poker tournament. Akira Tozawa versus Dominic Mysterio was made from the poker tournament, right? Now, if we didn't have this fucking poker tournament, what was Triple H planning on originally doing for this show? This is why I said in the beginning, this show was lazy. This was a phoned-in show. Nothing exciting happened on this show. Nothing. So we got the heels in control here. We go to a commercial break. They worked over Styles after, uh, after the break. We got a distraction, which allowed Corbin, who was illegal, to hit Styles with a deep six. Gable was the legal man. He goes for a cover off the deep six. Only gets a two count. Styles dropped Otis with a Pele kick. Tagged in Carl Anderson, who went wild on Gable. Anderson hit a spine buster. He's got a beautiful spine buster, this Carl Anderson. But Corbin broke up the cover and gave Styles a backbreaker. Styles decked Corbin moments later. Gallows dropped him with a boot. Otis gave Gallows an overhead suplex before Styles hit Otis with a phenomenal forearm. Gable suplexed Styles, rolled up Anderson for two. Anderson hit an uppercut, tagged in Gallows. Gallows then saved Anderson from Gable's chaos theory. And they gave Gable the magic killer for the one, two, three. I think Chad Gable's fucking great. I think he and Otis are fucking great. They deserve a lot better. You guys talk about Asuka deserving a lot better, man. Otis and Chad Gable deserve a lot better, in my honest opinion. So, this was a decent match, but particularly nothing important. This was just thrown out there because they needed to fill three hours of television time. And they gave you a solid 15 minutes of action. Nothing of importance here. Nothing. Alexa Bliss was shown warming up backstage. She had Lily the doll with her. Bright Wyatt's logo flashed on a screen behind her for a brief moment. So we got uh, more Bright Wyatt imagery behind Alexa Bliss. Saxton interviewed Candice LeRae in the back. She was greeted with crickets was Candice LeRae. He congratulated her on her win over Dakota Kai last week. He said now she is scheduled to face EO Sky next week on Monday Night Raw. And I think that's going to be a great fucking match. I really do. It's going to be awesome. She asked if she feels like a marked woman by damage control. This is actually a former takeover match. And I think these two ladies are going to kill it. Hopefully the crowd is invested because Washington, D.C. sucked dick tonight. Outside the opening match, they didn't bring any noise at all for the rest of the show. Lorraine said she's new to Raw, but she's known these women for a very long time. She said she's a new mom, and she has so much to fight for now, and she won't let anybody push her around. Gargano and Dexter Loomis walked up to her. Gargano said they won. She gasped at the bag of money that Dexter won during the poker tournament. And Graves said that the relationship with Dexter, Gargano, and LeRae seems very strange. I don't know, man. When Champa comes back, you think they add Champa to Gargano and Dexter Loomis? Make them a trio? I don't know. 
We'll see what happens. He's going to be out for a while, though. I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon. But it would be interesting to see Johnny and Tommaso Ciampa back together. Akira Tozawa versus Dominic Mysterio. This was a complete waste of time. Don't know why this was even put onto the show, to be honest with you. Two minutes, Dominic Mysterio wins. Tozawa took most of the match, missed the diving senton, landed hard off the top rope, which looked nasty. Dominic followed with a frog splash, one, two, three, and that was it. Judgment Day was going to attack Tozawa after the match, but the Street Profits ran out and the Judgment Day bailed. So it looks like we're getting profits. And the Judgment Day and some tag team action coming out of that. So can't really complain about that, but this was uh, largely ineffective and, again, nothing of importance here. Adam Pierce, he approached Bobby Lashley backstage, and this is what I talked about earlier. He approached Lashley and said, he damn near cut Petey Williams in half. He said, it can't happen again. He said he knows it wasn't done on purpose, but if it happens again, there will be consequences. He said his hands are tied. Listen, put yourself in my shoes. My hands will not, you know, be able to get you out of this one. They're going to be tied. Lashley did not like it and told Pierce to be sure nobody else stands in his way. We got the main event. Becky Lynch. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss triple threat match to advance to next week to wrestle Bailey to find out who the number one contender is for Bianca Belair and the Raw Women's Championship. So, I said before that Becky Lynch winning this match could have worked, but I think after we've seen What we saw last week with Alexa Bliss, it was definitely obvious who was going to win this match. Seriously. Alexa Bliss was the right outcome here because she is the right choice to throw out there in a nothing match against Bianca Belair because it's not about Alexa Bliss winning the championship. It's about Alexa Bliss turning heel. That's the most important thing for Alexa Bliss to do right now. Turn heel. We need a character change. We need a gimmick change for Bliss because right now she's ice cold. That is the most important thing that she needs to do. It's not about championships here. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. So first couple of minutes were mostly between Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss with Cross kind of getting involved in little moments here and there. Cross eventually drove Lynch into the steel steps on the outside. This gave... You know, the opportunity to go one-on-one with Bliss. And then she eventually gave Bliss a neck breaker outside the ring. Cross had Bliss in a rest hold after a commercial break. Lynch jumped in, hit Cross with some strikes, a bulldog, a leg drop off the middle rope for a two count. Bliss wiped out Lynch and Cross with a dive off the apron. Same thing that Rhea Ripley did, but this time she connected and covered Cross for a two count. They did the prototypical... And very very stereotypical Tower of Doom spot where Lynch powerbombed both opponents out of the ropes, or off the ropes, rather, and covered Cross for two. Cross gave Lynch a high cross, but Bliss broke up the cover. Cross shoved Bliss into the side of the ring and then was squashed with a cross body against the ring. Cross set up for a swinging neckbreaker off the middle rope, but Becky brought them both back down with a diving leg drop 
Lynch covered Bliss for a two count. Lynch then gave Cross a manhandle slam on the apron, but all of a sudden, Dakota Kai and EO Sky come out, and they yank Becky Lynch out of the ring before she could make the cover. This made sense because Bailey and Becky have been feuding, so Bailey didn't want Becky to get the one-up, so she sent her goons out there to take care of Becky Lynch, and what they did was double powerbomb her, very sloppy, I might say, through the announce table, but they took Becky Lynch out of the match. So, Damage Control took out Becky Lynch, courtesy of Bailey. Cross was in there with Bliss. Cross was still down in the ring. Bliss goes up to the top. She sees an opening here. Jumps off the top rope for Twisted Bliss. One, two, three, and, and Bliss wins the match. Faces Bailey next week. And the winner of that match earns a title shot against Bianca Belair at a later date. Match was okay, you know, but like I said before, man, the women's division largely on both Monday night and Friday night have been very, very tame. There hasn't been much excitement to come out of the women's division. We're starting to see some excitement with the hopefulness and the tease of Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch, right, as we get towards the Royal Rumble. Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss possibly happening, right, with Bliss Kind of turning up. This is where we may see some of that Bray Wyatt influence. We don't know how much Bray Wyatt's going to be influencing Bliss, but we could start seeing, you know, some remnants of that as she turns back to possibly being a heel. That is the most important thing to come out of this. I think Bliss will beat Bailey. I think Bliss will go on to wrestle Bianca, and I do think that Bianca will beat Bliss, but it's not about the title here. It's about Bliss changing that character she so desperately needs to do. But, like I said before, the women's division, largely right now on Raw, is ice cold. There's nothing going on. It doesn't feel exciting. There's no, there's no buzz around it. And when you make Monday Night Raw the way you made it tonight, with the sole focus being on the women, you, 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 you're, you're taking an ice-cold division and you're making it the centerpiece, the biggest part of the show, and it's not going to come off overly exciting because... The women's division as a whole, in general, hasn't come off as largely exciting. There were even dull moments in the War Games match. And it all goes back to how you booked Damage Control and all the new people that you brought to the brand. You know, Candice LeRae and Mia Yim getting, you know, subpar returns. There really isn't much going on. But I hope that changes going into the new year. And it all starts with Rhea Ripley. There's absolutely no reason why Rhea Ripley should not be the face of this division. She's the only one there besides Becky and besides Bianca, Oscar when she's in there doing her shit, that generates any interest and any excitement. Everybody else is just there. Nobody cares. They got a lot of work to do. They really do. Monday Night Raw was not good tonight. It was not good. It was largely a, a missable show. It, it, it felt lazy. It was phoned in. There was a great tag team match in the open, and then everything else was just blah. It wasn't particularly bad. It's just not exciting. It's not exciting. From weeks ago, I said, Monday Night Raw is missing something. What the fuck are they missing? They're missing a sense of urgency. They're missing the Raw. It feels like whatever, you know? There's no excitement on this show. What are we doing? 
But then I try to psych myself out of all this and say, you know what? It's the end of the year. It's December. How many fucking Monday nights? They just want to get through the fucking year. Let's get through December. That's probably what their mentality is. Let's get through December. Let's get into January. Start the Royal Rumble build. Things will, things will pick up. This is the slowest point in the WWE year right now. Not right now up until the new year, until we turn that page to 2023. This is the slowest time of the entire year. So hopefully things pick up. Seriously. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. And we're going to get into the Super Chats, man. I appreciate you guys joining me tonight for the post show on Monday Night Raw. We're going to get into the Super Chats now in just a second. I want to thank you guys for joining me. 2,000 large in the venue tonight. We're almost there, guys. We got 700 likes. 715 likes. If you guys can hit the thumbs up, man, there's still 2,000 people in here. If 200, 300 of you who I know haven't hit the thumbs up, hit the thumbs up. We will be at 1,000 likes, and we will reach our minimum. So hit that thumbs up. I would appreciate it. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY, 206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other videos you might have missed on the channel. And tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkouts for your free sample. Super Chats, guys. Let me take a sip of my cold beverage, The Holy shit. Did I get through this review okay working off my laptop? Hopefully. Joseph Taylor with a $10 super chat. A $5 super chat. I'm sorry. $5 super chat by Joseph Taylor. Two things. Favorite Young Bucks match and favorite Rock match. You want my favorite Young Bucks match, bro? Probably the Steel Cage match with the Lucha Brothers. Either that one or Revolution with Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Rock match? I don't know, man. I couldn't tell you. Too many to choose from. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. What the fuck is Styles doing in that crappy poker skit? I don't know. I don't know, Michelle. Uh, again, Monday Night Raw was phoned in tonight. No question. Sidro with three $5 super chats. Did you hear that Eric Young is going to lead a faction of germaphobes? They're called sanitary. I like that one. Did you hear about the wrestler who raised horses on a beach? He kept them in his cult cabana. Which WWE wrestler doesn't use protein powder? No way, Jose. All right, you redeemed yourself with that one, Sidro. I like that one. 
Much love, my tribal chief. I got Mondays and Fridays off so I can tune in more. Excellent news. Excellent. Nick Williams, brother, what is going on, man? $10 super chat. JD, I heard what happened to your PC. I've been investigating about the mysterious music last night. I found the culprit. It was Bruce Pritchard and his partner, Vince McMahon. Uh, Nick, it can't be them, bro. They are not allowed in the venue, man. They have wanted posters hanging outside the venue. I may actually include that in my mother's basement, bro. Wanted posters of Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for the $10. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Did KO really need to wrestle tonight? Why risk it? I have no idea, Michelle. No idea. Robert Hurt becomes a new member. Robert, what the fuck are you drinking to celebrate your new VIP membership, bro? Thomas Malloy with three months in the VIP club. Appreciate all the work you do, sir. Thank you, Thomas. What are you celebrating, bro? What are you celebrating with, man? Tony Brown with a 199. Becky had meat tonight. To each his own, Tony Brown. I don't look at Becky for meat. Pizza Turd with a five-month VIP membership. Would hate to see Owens get hurt before all of this is over. The story is too damn good to risk it. Getting thrown out the window. OTS for life. I'm glad I'm not the only one feeling that way, bro. The saved one becomes a new member. What are you drinking tonight, man, to celebrate a new membership in the VIP club? Don't tread on me with a $10 super chat. Just wanted to let you know I will be on Friday Night Smackdown in Pittsburgh. Tonight's show was pretty good. Your show is always good. Keep up the good work. Have a good night. Thank you, bro. I, I did not enjoy Monday Night Raw tonight. I did not enjoy Raw tonight, man. I thought it was a lame duck show. The Scorpio Prince. $5 super chat. I finally cracked it. Fart sound effect, slurp sound effect, and the words tonight. And then Dominic smiles in excitement. Uh, Scorpio Prince, I'm going to have to ask you to get your mind out of the gutter, bro. I'm going to leave that between Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio, okay? Hollywood guy with a $5 super chat. Do you see William Regal coaching mentor R R Matt Riddle? Maybe a repackage of sorts. I don't know. William Regal, basically, if, if it is true, and I haven't reported this as legit, I haven't reported this as legit at all. Some people think I'm a fucking journalist or a dirt sheet writer or uh, I have sources. I said this on Twitter today. I have an opinion. If you can't handle my opinion, get the fuck out. Everybody's got a problem with what I say. Don't listen. I'm going to continue doing what I have to do. Now, if Regal is really leaving, if, I never said it was true, always tackle this with a, take it with a grain of salt mentality. I said, if true, this is a big L for AEW, which it is. 
Tony Khan might not think it. It is. But if William Regal's going back to WWE, he is the right-hand man of Paul Levesque. No questions asked. Whatever the fuck that is, I don't know. Creative, consultant, mentor, coach. Whatever he used to do, he's going to go back to doing what he used to do. Joseph Taylor with a $5 super chat. My late grandmother bought me a $300 real gold Rolex for my 24th birthday back in 2018. Uh, Joseph, no Rolex. No Rolex ever went for a $300 price tag, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Scorpio Prince with the $10 super chat. OTS for life. Just take my money. Feeling Usi, a clown down. Yabba dabba do, a clown down. Scooby dooby doo. Reggie, Reggie, let me at him, Scoob. Reggie. Not today, Jay, with a 499 super chat. Raw was pretty mid, as always. We may get a Bianca versus Alexa at the Rumble, but that's just my opinion because who would Bianca face at the Rumble? I don't know. We may get it at the Rumble, man. I think so. And yes, it was probably a fake Roly, bro. Genius. $300 for a Roly? Come on. Give me a break. Don't shred on me with a $10 super chat. I agree 100%. The women's division. You need to hit the reset button and have them practice more moves because some of the wrestling is dreadful. They just need more practice to hone their craft. Bro, what practice? It's all in the creative writing, bro. It's all in the writing. Scorpio Prince with a $10 super chat. In all seriousness, I love OTS. I watch all your vids, and you are one of the best, if honestly, maybe the king of telling the truth. And Raw sucked today. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for uh, being here. Marcos, I see you, bro. Thank you, man. Devon Rose Tea with a new membership. Devon, what are you drinking, bro, tonight to celebrate your... Entry into the VIP club. And Lakefront Studios with a $4.99 Super Chat. Hi, JD. How about having do not serve signs with Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard's pictures in your mom's basement? It's a possibility, bro. There's a lot of ideas floating around in my head about my mother's basement. Lots of ideas, man. Anyway, guys, we are about to uh, get out of here. Hey, uh, Jesse, listen, bro. I'm going to need you to pick up the slack, man. I think you're driving away customers, bro. I, re I really think you're driving away customers, bro. I don't know if you shower before you get here. I'm going to need you to shower before you get to the venue, man. Uh, seriously. I had complaints about weird body odor coming from behind the bar, bro. Okay? Don't let me get Issa on you, bro. You don't want to you don't want to have to deal with Issa, man. You know you don't want to have to deal with spicy Puerto Rican women angry, okay? This fucking guy. 
Anyway. I'm getting out of here, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight, guys. I know Monday Night Raw was fucking lame tonight. I'm in. I'm out. Probably the quickest Raw review I did, man. But there's nothing. There's nothing to talk about. Anyway. As soon as I get my PC fixed, man, I'll probably give you an extra tomorrow. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the memberships. I'm going to need those ace emojis in the chat. I'm going to need those rock on emojis in the chat. Those Mustang emojis in the chat. I need that fucking music on max. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you tomorrow for some extra right here on Off The Script. The next time you see me live, I'll be live on Wednesday night with Jesse. After Dynamite. I'll see you guys later.